HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentisana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made-from-scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the good fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome Nadia Rumigam, the co-founder and editorial maven for the new cookbook subscription service, cookbook.com. On today's episode, we'll talk to Nadia about what cookbook.com is all about, exactly how one assembles the top 1,000 cookbooks in the world, and we'll hear Nadia's Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. One thing we know, Julia loved cookbooks. She certainly enjoyed writing them, reading them, and collecting them. Often, she was drowning in them, as colleagues, mentees, and strangers would shower Julia with thank you copies of their own cookbooks. Nevertheless, they all held a special place in our heart. Much of her own cookbook collection was donated to the Schlesinger Library at Harvard Radcliffe. 
you can check the Schlesinger's catalog to see which ones belong to Julia. Now, you may or may not know, I think we've talked about it before, that as much as Julia loved new gadgets, she was actually an internet skeptic. Maybe it was generational or the beginning of the internet, but she still preferred letter writing using the telephone and was suspicious, rightly so as it turns out, that the internet was inherently not private. So it's hard to say whether she would have embraced social media and the push to put everything you need online. However, given Julia's curiosity and appreciation of devices that make life better, I do think she would have embraced anything that fosters a greater appreciation of and access to the best cookbooks. Today, we're getting acquainted with a new subscription service, often referred to as the Spotify of cookbooks, cookbook.com. That's ckbk.com which specializes in putting access to the world's best cookbooks at your internet-connected fingertips. Here to tell us all about it is Cookbooks.com's co-founder and editorial maven, Nadia Rumigam. Nadia is a cookbook author, award-winning food writer, editor, a trained chef, and self-diagnosed lover of all things edible and culinary. She's also the brains behind Cookbook.com's unique assemblage of the top 1,000 cookbooks in the world. Welcome to the podcast, Nadia. Thank you very much, Todd. I'm very excited to be here and share with you more about Cookbook. So let's do just that. Tell us, what, what is cookbook.com in a nutshell? Well, you did a, a great job, um, but I will just you know briefly recap. As you said, it's a digital subscription service, much like Spotify or Netflix, that offers its members access to a vast, wide-ranging, and curated collection of the top award-winning cookbooks for a monthly fee. One thing I wanted to note, especially Todd, is that not only is Cookbook a great way to discover and explore new cookbooks and authors that you might not be familiar with, but it's also an incredible way to rediscover and really maximize on the cookbooks that you already own and that are gathering dust on your shelves. You know, the reality is that we're so used to instant gratification these days that we so rarely have the time or the patience to search through our actual tangible cookbooks and find those old favorites. So instead, sadly, we simply settle for what a Google search yields. But now with Cookbook, your favorite cookbooks are easy to access and search through your phone and your tablet. And you know, and these old favorites are once again in easy access. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you what what type of cookbooks can you describe like what a, a, either a user or, or, or someone thinking about signing up would find? So the great thing about cookbook, and in my mind actually, I think its biggest asset is that we have a huge breadth of um, uh, of cookbooks that cover a, a wide gamut of, of genres and, and country cuisines. Um, and also, in addition to licensing classic titles, we also license contemporary modern cookbooks. You know, and, and just to give you a sense of flavor of what we have, um, some of my p- personal favorites are A Platter of Figs by David Tannis, uh, the key, a Key to Chinese Cooking by Irene Kuo, The Silver Palette Cookbook. We have a number of titles by Paula Wolfett, um, two titles by Machala Hassan. So you can really tell, you know, these are really quality, authoritative titles. And they you know from, from younger, more contemporary writers, we have Molly Ye, we have Tyler Florence, K- uh, Tessa Kiros, Erin Gleason. And, you know, no matter what cuisine you feel like cooking on any given moment or any given day, we have 
not only do we have a cookbook to serve your needs, but you can be assured that the cookbook will be written by an expert in that particular cuisine. And I think one of the nice things about it that I found is is the search function because of all the things you were talking about, right? You can you can search by all different types of things, either per people, recipes, dishes. Could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. You know, the one thing we wanted to do is make the platform as intuitive to use on any mobile device. So as you said, you can search by ingredients, by author, by cookbooks. You know, you can you can search by technique, by genre. Um, and, we, you know, we really spend a long time thinking about how people like to search and all the different ways that, that you can search so that, um, you know, you can, you can really find what it is you're looking for instantly and, and what's going to be coming soon. And I'm particularly excited about is we'll be generating personal recommendations and recipe playlists for users based on their preferences and dietary habits. And the more you use the platform, the more we'll be able to tailor and create these bespoke recommendations for you. So it's going to end up offering recommendations and suggested based on user habits like Spotify. Does. Absolutely. And then what, how, how much does it cost? How do you sign up for it? So uh, it's, it's the premium membership, which allows you to access um, all the all the recipes. It's sort of like an unlimited all you can eat experience is eight ninety nine a month. Um, you get a fourteen day free trial. We've just launched, so we have some great discounts at the moment. And Todd, if I if I may, I would like to offer your listeners a uh, a discount code that will give them thirty percent off a twelve month subscription. And the discount code is Julia30. So if they go to cookbook.com, and that's, as you said, ckbk.com, and follow all the links and then just put in the discount code when prompted, um, I, I hope that they will be, you know, thrilled with what they find. And I think the service is available in theory globally. It's all in English language right now. But is, is it that if you subscribe internationally... Um, are you still paying in dollars? Is that how it works right now? Yes. But you can, no matter where you're in the world, you can access the service. <laughs> as long as you're willing to pay in dollars. Yes. <laughs> and as long as you, you know, are happy to, 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 uh, to access English language cookbooks. And I'm hoping that at uh, some point in the future, we can expand the service and include, um, you know, other language cookbooks. And uh, that would be, I think, a great thing to aspire to. I think at the moment we need to get this right and uh, refine refine the service as it is first. Yeah, and, and on that note, so who who of the listeners out there, I mean, is it a service that's right for everybody or is it tailored for a specific segment of the market? You know, I think, I like to think of Cookbook as the only resource that you will ever need, no matter what kind of cook you are and how you like to cook. And that's really was the premise as we started licensing our cookbooks. We wanted to be able to serve um, everyone. And so that's what I meant when I said, you know, in my mind, I think that our greatest asset is the breadth of content that we, that we, that we have to offer. Right now, we have over 60,000 recipes, and that's constantly growing. We're constantly licensing new titles. We're constantly putting new recipes on the platform. You know, if you're, if you're vegan, we have a number of really great cookbooks for you. Hannah Kaminsky is a great uh, vegan uh, cookbook author, and um, we, we have a number 
of her titles. You know, if you, as I said, if you enjoy cooking Vietnamese, if, you know, jo- even Georgian, we have a great award-winning uh, Georgian cookbook called Tasting Georgia. You know, whether it's Burmese cuisine, you know, whether you're paleo, we have a number of paleo cookbooks. Whatever your, whatever, you know, piques your interest on any given day, you know, whether you're, you know, you, you suffer from, um, you know, celiac disease and you have to eat gluten-free, there's something for you. And that's really what, what we wanted to solve for when we create a cookbook. Well, and it strikes me because I'm fortunately none of those <laughs> things. But I think anybody who entertains and likes to cook at home and has people over, whether it's even for a large dinner party or just for a couple friends, is confronted with, okay, if you're not already gluten-free, paleo, celiac, or vegan, you might have a guest who is. But if you're not, you probably don't have a library of cookbooks with those categories. And it seems like, um, I know I've, I've used this, that that's a great idea of like, okay, I don't really eat gluten-free, but if I put gluten-free in, I'll be able to sift through recipes that are that finds ones that would maybe please everybody. That's exactly right, Todd. And I've certainly been in that situation where I've had, you know, eight table people at the table and almost every single one of them can't eat something. Um, <laughs> so this is a, a wonderful resource for that. Well, that, that's, that's great to hear. So we talked about, you were mentioning it's, it's currently got 60,000 recipes on it, which, which is quite an assortment. Is the, the site then much more about recipes or is it as much about, can, can you read the books online? Tell us a little bit more about the, the breadth of the content that's available. So it's certainly a recipe-oriented site. Um, and by that, I mean that you can, when you do a search, you can search through the entire corpus of recipes that we have. And you know, the intention, Todd, was never to replicate the experience of reading a print cookbook, but in a digital format, because you simply cannot replicate that experience. So we're, by no means are we a portal for ebooks, but rather on the contrary, we wanted to create a whole new way of experiencing cookbook content that truly exploits the potential, all the benefits of digital exploration and discovery. So by this, I mean that users can search through our tens of thousands of recipes instantly. They can explore all the links between the cookbooks and between the recipes seamlessly. They can search through our recipe content as easily as they can discover recipes. You know, we wanted this to be um, an experience that is entirely intuitive to use on a mobile device. Having said all this, if you did want to explore a single cookbook, you can certainly do this very easily. You can instantly view the table of contents for any single cookbook. You can view all the recipes for any single cookbook, the head notes, the front of the book material, all the introductions. Um, you can view all the recipes and you can, you know, if you did want to kind of sit, sit down and, and read all, through all the recipes in a single cookbook, you could definitely do that. And, and so also it's kind of if you were seriously considering or someone had recommended a cookbook to you and you weren't quite sure if you wanted to get it, it, it offers if the book is on the site, you can sort of see more than maybe on Amazon when you're just having a look inside. You can certainly see more. You can see the entirety of the cookbook. Um, if you're, that is, of course, if you're a paying member, if you're a premium member. If you're not a paying member, what you can do is you can browse our content. You can see what we have. You can see all the cookbooks that we have. You can do any number of searches, but you can't access the full recipe content. So one thing that I also 
think might help is listeners might be familiar already with uh, because we've had guests related to it and if they're really into cooking or frequently cook recipes and as you say one of the things even for people who have big cookbook collections particularly I think if they're under 50 they tended the faster thing is to just go to the internet so how would you differentiate um, cookbook.com from websites people might know know already like Epicurious or Food 52? Where there are a number of things that make us unique. The first and most significant one is that all our content comes from complete cookbooks. So we license cookbooks from publishers and from authors. um, And our content is also highly curated. So we are very selective about what we take and we want to make sure that they meet um, our standards and that they're written by experts and they're, you know, all the recipes are very well crafted. Um, so it's high quality t- content. So you're, you're not left wondering whether something can work. I mean, I don't know, Todd, if you've been in a situation where you've, you've you know, cooked a recipe and you maybe have guests or you've you know, spent an afternoon cooking it and then it just hasn't turned out. And you're sitting there scratching your head and you're wondering, you know, why, what did I do wrong? But oftentimes when you do a Google search, the, the recipes aren't tested. And, you know, mm. my background as a cookbook author um, and having spent a long time refining the craft of recipe writing, you know, it's it's something that takes a while to master. And, you know, creating a recipe that works in any given domestic kitchen uh, takes time and experience. And so our cookbooks give people the reassurance that the recipes that they are um are seeing will will work and they're being written by real authorities and experts. I see that makes sense and we're going to talk more about that sort of content in the second half of the show. So given given that sense and also as kind of a way um cuz Food 52 is quite they've kind of moved in different directions but is known as a kind of they were they started as a crowdsourcing vehicle and you guys are kind of like the opposite of that. So tell us more about how you are or are not a community site, but then what plans you have. You you were mentioning before about the recommendations. What plans are in store in terms of community building, or is that not part of the, the goal? Um, Todd, I'm very glad you asked about this because from the very outset, building a community of food lovers very much centered around a passion for food and cooking, you know, an eagerness to discover new recipes, share their successes and new finds has been central to the premise of Cookbook. Um, very soon, our members will be able to post photos of their creations, rate, review recipes, share their thoughts, their recipe notes. They'll be able to create their very own uh, recipe collections and choose, and, and they can choose to share these with other users if they want. Um, you know, we really imagine Cookbook as a hub where you can come to not only for recipes and inspiration and guidance, but really to be able to connect with fellow cooks as well. And, and I think in this way, it's going to be a very vital, very dynamic hub. And we're actually very hopeful that a lot of authors will also engage with um, our members. And I think that will be very exciting for, for users to be able to, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, communicate with, with authors and, and share their thoughts on, on recipes with them. Well, that's really interesting because I asked Dory Greenspan when she was on, who, um, for those who missed that episode, go back and listen to it. If you don't know who she is, she's a very accomplished uh, cookbook author, particularly in terms of baking and pastry and uh, desserts. And Dory is also fantastically engaged on social media. And she's not a 20-something. Sorry, Dory. Um, 
And, you know, I said, how do you do that? It's really hard. And she said what she loved about it and the part that's sort of motivating for her is she's like, before social media, there was no instant feedback, an easy feedback mechanism other than book signings. And even then on how people were using or adapting or relating or reacting to your recipes. And that she's found the most valuable about social media. Is that the kind of thing that you're hoping authors might engage in? Yes, and, you know, and we have uh, developed a wonderful rapport with many of the authors whose books we have on the platform. You know, to, for, to name a handful, you know, Ken Hom, Tessa Kiros, Rose uh, Levy Barenbaum, an endless number of authors. You know, we, 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 we've worked hard to kind of develop a relationship with them, and they're very excited about our platform. And precisely for that, for, for, for that reason, uh, Todd, is that it gives them a connection to their. Um, you know, to the people who are buying their cookbooks and, and using their cookbooks and using their recipes and, and gives them the ability to interact with them and really find out what, you know, what is working, what isn't working, what people are enjoying. And, and really, it also enables publishers to uh, elicit this kind of feedback, too. I know it really struck me um, in talking to one of the editors from Food 52 recently, and I think what they do is pretty terrific. But to me, they really moved away from the that original model that they had of crowdsourcing and a sort of community where people can talk to them, but also talk to each other. And is that something that you see kind of picking up as an asset that they've moved away from with, with Cookbook? Very much so. I mean, as I said, you know, that was the idea of Cookbook as a hub, as a community hub, was very sort of central to to the concept from the beginning and we want uh, our members to be able to um, share with each other and 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 enjoy the the process of cooking with you know with each other and I think for me I one of the reasons I love to cook is because I love to feed people and I, I love the gratification of someone enjoying my food and you know I think Part of our love of of food and cooking is to manifest itself in is sort of in, in sharing um, our thoughts and and uh, inspirations and you know and people love to take photos of you know their meals and what they cook and they're very proud of you know what they cook and it's and they love to kind of show off what they've done and I think that's great and we want we celebrate that. Well, that all sounds exciting. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back to talk to Nadia a little bit more about how they identify the top 1,000 cookbooks in the world. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and a respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kottbalk Cave-Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Mon, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Welcome back. We're talking to award-winning food writer, chef, and editorial director at cookbook.com, Nadia Rumigam. All right, Nadia, we were just talking about kind of how cookbook works and and how 
um, you know, it's a very recipe-driven site based on curated cookbooks and being able to access them. And part of what you were talking about of how it's differentiated from kind of existing sites is, is the curation and that the recipes are from noted established books that you have a, a high probability of working, if not working great. So let's dive deeper into that. So tell how did you start and how did how did you even have the idea that we need to list the thousand best cookbooks in the world? So what we wanted to do at the beginning was really identify and, and, and understand which are the most essential cookbooks and what are people going back to again and again to cook from. So the first thing we did was we assembled an extensive panel of food experts. And this was comprised from chefs, food writers, cookbook authors, journalists, restaurateurs, um, you know, food professionals in general. And we, we reached out to them and we asked them to recommend their top 10 most essential cookbooks and give us reasons why, you know, why they had selected certain books. And from that, we assembled a dynamic list of the top 1,000 most essential cookbooks. Then when we separately started working on the cookbook um, service, we, we absolutely sought to license the books that we um, had, uh, you know, that, that featured on this list. But we also licensed a lot of other great titles that are not on the list. Um, and so... When you, when you come to cookbook, you'll see that we have um, a number of cookbooks that you'll see that you recognize from our top 1,000 list. And um, any cookbook that is within the top 100 of our top 1,000 list will feature a, bad, a badge and a number on them so you know what they, where they've exactly, where they're situated in the list. Um, for example, we have Escoffier's Lugide Culinaire, which was number seven, 27 on the list. We have Patient Gray's Honey from a Weed, which was number 25. We have Paula Wolford's The Cooking of Southwest French, which, uh, which came in at 58. Um, we also have Alan Davidson's Mediterranean Cookery, which was number 86. Um, and for any of the books that were recommend, recommended by our panel of experts, you can always click in and you can see who recommended them and what they had to say about them. And you know, that, that for me is a, just a, a great way of discovering great titles. And especially if you have a favorite cookbook author, um, you know, going in and seeing who they recommended um, is, you know, it's a sort of great journey of discovery. And just so you, to give you a taste of the... Um, people who we, we, we have making recommendations for us. We have um, Yota Motolenghi, Nigella Lawson, Ruth Reichel, Amanda Hesse, Wolfgang Puck, Daniel Boulud. Um, so as you can see, these are people who really know food. Well, and I was just thinking, was it, how did you get all these people to do it? Or is it one of those things that when, when you ask someone and you tell them they're an expert and you want their opinion, they're actually quite willing to share? Well, you know, Todd, as someone who loves food, you know, I think when you go to anyone who, who loves cooking and loves food and you say to them, who are the 10 most, uh, you know, which are the 10 most inspirational cookbooks and the, the cookbooks that are most meaningful to you? People are actually very excited to think about that, and they can't wait to kind of you know make that list and start thinking about that. So, it, 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 
I mean, I have to say logistically, I mean, it was definitely a lot of work and it took <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> but, you know, we did, I, I, I wouldn't say we had to sort of strongly convince anyone. You know, it was like, it was, it was a question that elicited a very sort of enthusiastic response from a lot of our panelists. And, and when you went into it, I, I think what I know from, from talking to you and Matt, your, Matt Cockrell, your co-founder, the other co-founder, is did you know going in that people would recommend so many older books or was that a surprise? You no, know, I think it was, you know, we went in and we didn't really know what would come out of it. And I think it's not, in retrospect, it's not really all that surprising that most of the titles on the list are cl- these classic older cookbooks because these are the books that have, um, you know, this sort of the staying power and they have stood the test of time. Um, you know, The Joy of Cooking, you know, Julia Child. I mean, these are, these, these are recipes that have been tr- you know, tried again and again and again. And there's a reason why they, they're still very much present in, you know, the modern, the, the modern mindset is because, that, you know, these are great recipes and that even though they may have been written, you know, 50, 60 years ago, they're still very much relevant to the way we cook today and the way we eat today. You know, a great recipe to me... Um, doesn't have a shelf life. Well, and I think that that's one of the neat things that you you have touched upon and then gone further is that from this list that you um, this curated list of rec- highly recommended books from so it's basically experts recommending books by other experts, right, mm-hmm. and accomplished people. That a lot of those books were no longer in print. And that people zealously hoarded their hard copies and sometimes they were quite expensive to buy, but that there were avenues. And maybe you could just speak to, I know that in some cases, you, the, the books in the top 100, they're not all on the service, but that you've also been able to um, go after a lot of books that were beloved but hard to find that are now on the service, right? Yes, and uh, it was a, a, a wonderful sort of a journey of exploration as we had to, you know, find where the rights to these books lay. And, um, for example, you know, Irene Kuo's The, uh, the, the Art of Chinese Cooking, um, sorry, um, uh, um, The Key to Chinese Cooking by Irene Kuo, you know, we, we had to find who oversaw her estate and as it turns out it was her son and you know we got to know him very well and um, you know we, we met some great people along this way and uh, Matt and I became very good investigators um, and we really uh, you know we really enjoyed kind of delving into the history of these older cookbooks and and, and, and unearthing um, and unearthing them and it was a real sense of gratification when we were able to, to license some of these uh, older titles and um, you know, one of the, how we did that was, um, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd reach out to the authors. So, for example, Ken Hom is an author who um, licensed a number of his titles to us directly. Um, after a number of years, the, the rights to a title will revert back to the author. And so they are able to license, license the works to us uh, directly. So out of the ones that fall into the top 100, how many of them are, are actually available on Cookbook? Um, I'd say we probably have, um, you know, between 10 to, no, I know, we probably have maybe 10, 20, 20 of the top 100s. And I mean, as I mentioned to you, Todd, you know, we're constantly licensing. And this, you know, activity is kind of going on constantly behind the scenes, even as, you know, the service is running and we're, 
um, you know, working on the sort of editorial um, side of things, um, we in the, 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 the back end, we're constantly licensing, we're constantly converting recipes and putting them on the site. Um, so this is an on, a very much an ongoing exercise for us. And some of them, like I should point out in the top 100, they're harder for you to get because a lot of those are still in print or might have an existing digital edition. Exactly, yes. And so then, you know, we have to work with publishers um, and um, we have to license the rights. And that takes time. So if, if someone's a cookbook author and they're thinking, well, gosh, I have three books that I know people love and they always ask about that are really hard to find now, how would they go about getting their book on the service? So if they have the rights to their titles, then they can just reach out to us. They can they can email us at licensing at cookbook.com. They can reach out to me directly. It's Nadia at cookbook.com. And um, we'd be very happy to talk them through um, the, the process. Um, if they don't have the rights um, to their cookbooks, but they would still like to explore how they can get their books on the service, um, they should reach out to their publishers and let them know that, you know, this is something they'd be interested in and have their publishers reach out to us. Um, you know, again, like if anyone has any questions about the service or how to get their, 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 their works on the service or, you know, any feedback, you know, they should absolutely reach out to us. My email address is open to anyone and I'm, I'm excited and look forward to hearing from anyone. It's Nadia at cookbook.com. So when you're talking about the site is curated, would you still go through a vetting process? So maybe just to manage people's expectations, even if they did reach out, it their, their works may or may not be a fit for a service or you will start sort of just adding lots of stuff? Um, yes. I mean, as I said, it's, it's, it's highly curated. So, you know, we, we, we do want to make sure that the books that we take on um, meet a certain criteria. Um, you know, on the other hand, and you know, this is something that my co-founder and, and I, Matt, talk about all the time, you know, one person's filler is another person's treasure chest of, you know, discovery. So, you know, I don't want to, 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 to be dismissive or elitist in any way and say that, you know, unless something is a classic work and a James Beard, you know, award-winning title, we're not going to take it because um, that is contrary to our premise of serving, you know, every cook. And so we, as I said, at the same time as, you know, being selective and curated, you know, we, we, we are, we're excited and looking forward to licensing a wide variety of different kinds of uh, cookbooks, whether it's, you know, cookbooks that um, particularly serve, um, you know, uh, students who are looking for low-budget, 20-minute meals. I mean, there are many of those. I mean, I remember being a student myself and trying to cobble together meals. And if I had a cookbook that I knew I could rely on and actually yielded, you know, delicious-tasting food for not a lot of, uh, for, for, for not, not a large expense, I mean, that for me would have been a great asset. And, and for works from lesser-known authors, would, would, do you have a system whereby you would test the recipes and things before you would post them? Yes. I mean, we have, um, within the, the, the editorial team and the team at Cookbook, we have, um, you know, as I say, myself, I'm a cookbook author and I've, I've been in food writing, food journalism for 15 years. Um, we, we have a, a wonderful f uh, food editor herself. Um, she's based in London and has been in food journalism for a long time. So we have a very robust skill set in food and food writing in-house. And I think that, you know, we feel 
very confident in our ability to um, evaluate um, titles and be sure that they that they are, are fit for our service. So thinking about we were talking about the community offering and what's coming up. So what are what are the other um, things that you have in store that are maybe a little bit farther? ahead and when will the sort of ability to post your own comments and ratings and picks when are you kind of anticipating that to be ready roughly um i think my i think my my tech team will uh you know i, I think if i if i if i hold them to a hard and fast date they might you know they might murder me when i go back to the office but this is something that we you know we're constantly um, rolling out new functionalities and features. Um, so I think in the, you know, rather than to, to give you a sort of specific timeline, I think in the, in the, in the nearer term, um, we are, the, the features that we're looking to, um, to add, uh, as I said, the personalized recommendations and playlists, um, the ability to generate shopping lists and uh, online grocery orders. We're also looking to um, include integrated nutritional analysis of all our recipes, measurement conversions, uh, menu planning, recipe uh, scaling, um, certainly you know, being able to rate and review recipes um, and create your own personal collections is something that we are we're working on right now, and it should be you know any any day any day soon that we'll be able to sort of roll that functionality out. A little bit further down the line, um, we're also working uh, on integration with smart kitchen appliances and voice activated assistants like Alexa. Um, so we we have a lot a lot to do a lot you know on our. Uh, with the, uh, sorry, with the Alexa example, is that is that something where like literally you are working on for the future that you wouldn't even have to sit at a computer or on your screen, you could talk to Alexa to get them to access your cookbook Exactly, exactly. Because as we all know, you know, when you're, you know, you've got your, you've got your fingers covered in dough, the last thing you want is to, you know, be messing around your, with, your, with your screen. So yes, I think that would... Um, vastly facilitate um, the experience of being able to use the service if you could just speak to Alexa and say, you know, I'm looking for um, Anne Willen's crepe recipe, which actually I just used yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> I will let her know. <laughs> I hope it turned out well. My, my four-year-old was very happy with his crepe with ice cream, chocolate sauce, and M&M's. Yes, and hand, <laughs> handy if you're coming up to... We haven't passed it. Shrove, Shrove Tuesday is still coming up, I think. Or did we pass it? We, we passed it. Okay. <laughs> well, you can practice for next year. And and just just so no one thinks you're being evasive, I think we forgot to cover how new the service is. When exactly did you go... Um, you're still sort of in soft launch, right? Yes, we launched the service um, towards the end of February. So we're, we're really at the very, very beginning stages. So I think um, we should say for our listeners that it's really breaking news that they're hearing so much about it because it really is a, it, is it, it maybe a long in the works but new offering. That's exactly right. And as I said, you know, we're really keen to hear feedback from all our users. We're at, we're at that point where the more feedback we we get, the better the service can be and will will become. So I would really encourage or encourage all your listeners to check us out, take advantage of the fourteen day free trial and the uh, discount code Julia thirty, and you know explore the site, discover everything that we have, and and send us you know all your thoughts and feedback. Um, and we'll we, you know we'll we'll work our hardest to refine the service and, and make it as great as as it can be. 
And I can test to that. She's not kidding. They really do want your feedback. And speaking of feedback, do you prefer all your favorite cookbooks and recipes to be internet accessible? Are you happy to pour over hard copies? Let us know if you're a digital or analog cookbook user. Send us an email or even a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. And after the break, Nadia is going to share her Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying our podcast? Heritage Radio Network has lots more. I'm Ethan Frisch. And I'm Jenny Dorsey. And together we host Why Food, a podcast about innovators, career changers, and entrepreneurs who are changing the face of food. How did these folks decide to hit the brakes, start over, and become inspiring chefs, entrepreneurs, farmers, and activists they are today? Browse episodes of Why Food wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she's inspired them in their career. All right, Nadia, your turn. What's your Julia moment? Hmm. Well, Todd, I didn't grow up with Julia. You know, I grew up in the UK, um, but it was really a decade ago when I moved to the US that I really got to know Julia and became acquainted with her, of course, through Mastering the Art of French Cooking. And what I loved about this, this, this sort of tome was the fact that it was a journey of discovery. And a discovery both of, uh, of this you know, cuisine and, and, and understanding it from the inside out, but also a journey to become a better cook. And, and uh, I love the way how each chapter is designed so that it starts with basic recipes and it evolves and you're introduced to more complicated recipes. So you as a cook, as you grow in confidence and grow in skills, you kind of you, you, you are able to... Um, uh, improve and you at the end at the end of every chapter you feel like you've really um mastered a particular genre of french uh, cooking and you know i hope that as julia did with this you know with mastering the art of french cooking i hope that we can do that with cookbook that we can give people the confidence and the skill sets so that as the, the more they use our service they can become the best the best cook that they are capable of becoming well, that sounds very poignant and like a, a goal that we can certainly uh, heartily endorse on the foundation's end. So, Nadia, thank you so much for being with us and introducing us to cookbook.com. Thank you very much, Todd. I was very uh, excited and happy to, to share with you um, um, the cookbook service. Well, we're glad that you did, and we thank everyone else for listening. You can remember to follow us on social media. Our handles are at Julia Child on Facebook, at Julia Child Foundation, all one word on Instagram, and at Julia Child JCF on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at T Shulkin, T S C H U L K I N. As we talked about, the website for the digital subscription service, the Spotify of cookbooks, is cookbook.com. That's CKBK.com. And you can follow them on social media. It's at CKBK on Instagram and Twitter and at CKBK app, APP on Facebook. And as Nadia generously offered, uh, listeners can get 30% off the premium subscription if they use the code JULIA30. And the Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at WGBH. 
Thanks to my co-producer of the foundation, Lawrence Alkeld, and our sound engineer, Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. Please give us a review. It'll really help new listeners discover the show. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after, wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.